Let's turn to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. Now, this is our third week in chapter 1, but it uh, was necessary to get ourselves acclimated to the time of Daniel and the reasons for the children of Judah to be taken into captivity. And of course, it was during the time of, uh, was during the time of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah. But Jehoiakim wasn't much of a king. He was only a uh, puppet king, first for the Pharaoh of Egypt, and then after the Babylonians uh, conquered the Egyptians, then uh, Jehoiakim became a a, uh, puppet king for Nebuchadnezzar. The sad thing is that that, uh, Jehoiakim was always just did evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, His heart was never right before God. And that's a sad thing when you think about how Israel and the people of Israel and, and all should have uh, known better, especially a king of Judah, that he was. All the kings of the northern kingdom of Israel were all evil. You know, when you, when you look at the, uh, uh, the books of Kings and Chronicles and all, uh, all the kings of the northern kingdom were evil, but... Many of the kings of the southern kingdom were good kings. They were, they were godly kings, but Jehoiakim was not one of them. So the children of Israel, or I should say of Judah, the southern kingdom, were taken into captivity by Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. And they took the young men of the most noble tribes of Israel, And they took them to reprogram their minds and their hearts. To make them more a part of Babylon than of Israel. They took four young men in particular, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And they changed their names under the king's orders. Daniel became Belteshazzar, Hananiah became Shadrach or Shadraku, Mishael became uh, Mishahu or Meshach, and uh, Azariah became Abednego. All names that deal with their own gods. It's the way the world works. In trying to reprogram, especially believers, to the gods of the world. But verse 8 is where we left off last time, and verse 8 is where we'll start tonight. Because in verse 8 it says, But Daniel... But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. The word defile means to pollute. And Daniel said, and purposed. I mean, the word purpose is a very strong word. It 
you know, it just sets his course. Sets his feet deep into the roots of his God and of his commandments. And he purposes in his heart that he would not defile himself with the things that were probably and more than likely sacrificed or or offered in sacrifice unto the gods of the Babylonians. And the rest of the verse says, Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Favor and tender love. In Hebrew, the word chesed, H-E-S-E-D, if you want to write it, it's transliterated chesed, which is tender love. And the other word in the Hebrew is, that's used for, for favor is compassion. And it says that God brought Daniel into favor and loving compassion with the prince of the eunuchs, Ashpenaz. Here is where we'll begin our study tonight. Disobedience and rebellion. Disobedience and rebellion. Two willful sins, in essence very general of course, as far as the words go, disobedience and rebellion. Two very willful sins that actually describe the the constant tension between the God of Israel and the people chosen by Him to represent Him to the world. They are the two willful sins that describe the constant tension between God and His people. This, of course, was not always the case. For we know that early on... The Israelites feared the Lord who revealed Himself powerfully in Egypt, especially on the night of Passover and consequently in their exodus and some subsequent wanderings, wanderings in the wilderness. God showed Himself strong many times for the children of Israel, the Israelites. But Israel always seemed to struggle. They struggled with consistency and commitment to God's commands. Now, let me say that that's probably not only Israel's Weaknesses. I think that if we really examined ourselves, many times we would have to admit we struggle with consistency and commitment to God's Word. We struggle. Why? Because we're human. We still have flesh. We're still subject to the, the thing, you know, to the temptations and the testings and the provings of the world. But here's the thing, they had God in the midst all the time. God was with them. If you remember, He was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He was always with them. And it, and it actually did, brought a, a, a tremendous sense of fear to these people. God is in our midst. I mean, they would shake when they would see that pillar of fire. But over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, And then by the time of Daniel the prophet, 
God's people were once again teetering on the spiritual precipice. For 490 years, think about this. For 490 years, they failed to keep the Sabbath year of allowing the land to rest every seven years. For 490 years. It appeared as as if God had become very silent. For 490 years. And then they would miss another Sabbath year. They wouldn't let the land rest, in other words. God said, if you will let the land rest on the seventh year, in the sixth year, I'll double all of your portions and harvest so that you can live through the seventh year. And then if you just give me the land. In other words, it's, it's do me. I, I'm God. I have the right to the land. It's mine. You take care of that seventh year. I'll double your harvest in the sixth year and you won't have any problem or I'll give you abundance in the sixth year and and you won't have any problems with the seventh year. And then when the the new year comes, then you start to harvest again. But they skipped one and then they skipped another and then it became easier every every seventh year just to not even think about it. And it seemed like God just said, "Ah, okay, go ahead. That's all right. Go ahead and do that. It seemed like it. God didn't do that. But 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 do you but do you see the spiritual principle that we go through too? You you look at the book of Acts and you see Hananiah or I should say Ananias and Sapphira in, in Acts chapter five. You know and they're doing all these kind of weird things. You know thinking that you know God doesn't see them or whatever. And then you know they go to church one day and they say, oh look at our offering. And boom, you know the Lord kills them right in church brought fear to the church i think all of us would give better if that happened at the offering and fear was there but then god expected us to just fear him in love and respect and then that seemed to wane and now it doesn't matter but it mattered to god with the Israelites, because eventually they had disobeyed and rebelled against God so much that God said, okay, time's up. Now you will suffer for 70 years in captivity for every year, Sabbath year, that you didn't keep. 70 times 7 equals 490 years. So they failed to keep the Sabbath year of allowing the land to rest every seven years, which was their willful disobedience, covetousness, and unbelief. They didn't believe God. And maybe they thought they knew better than God. Now, the second and greater reason for their captivity was their idolatry, which was their willful rebellion against God's lordship and sovereignty over their lives. God said, there's no other God but me. Worship me. Worship no graven image. These were commandments. And to your God only shall you serve. 
But they started looking at all the lands around them and they started getting interested in what their worship ways were. And eventually they started to rebel against the one true God and they started to go into idolatry, the worst, the, you know, the worst sin, in essence. So they had become indifferent. They had become indifferent to the rights of Almighty God. In other words, they were, they were no longer concerned about what was due to God. This is why I said back when we first started at the, at the beginning of the service, I said, you know, we have this thing about wanting to know what our Christian rights are. I mean, we got no rights. We have, we have the right to remain silent when God speaks. And then we have the right to listen. And then we have the right to obey. We have the right to act on those things. It's not like if we, things are due us. If we had nothing else but the cross and Jesus and the resurrection, we have everything. See, Christians need to understand that. Especially here in the West. Especially here in the, in, in the United States. So they were no longer concerned about what was due him, and they were insistent in worshiping and serving the false gods of the heathen. That is, many of the people, but not all. Many of the people, but not all the people. You see, four young Hebrew men, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, would stand steadfast against the evils of the Babylonian kingdom and maintain a state and an attitude of separation unto God. They stayed separate unto God against anything that would pull them toward that wickedness. That's what the rest of this chapter is about, and actually the rest of the book, when you think about it. We live in such a land today, a wicked land, Whether we want to believe it or not, we live in a wicked land. The great temptation for every believer is compromise. The great temptation for every believer is compromise. The world says, try this, it's all right. Do this, it's okay. Take this. Do this to yourselves. It's not going to matter to God, I mean, you'll be okay. See, a lot of people have this idea that it's better, you know, it's that old saying of, of, well, with God, you know, it's better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. Be careful with that. That might work with your friends and buddies, but I don't know that it works with God. And the line between what is holy and holy has, has, has nearly been blotted out. The line between what is holy and unholy. What, what used to be called the sacred and the profane. Or the sacred and the secular. The line has nearly been blotted out. What is precious to the Lord has to be distinct and clearly separated and detached from that which is putrid to His nostrils. And it should be putrid to ours as well. Well, 
I wonder how many people really pray and ask God for wisdom about something that where the world is. It, you know, it, it's kind of in the gray area. How many of us really pray and say, Lord, is, you know, this doesn't look like it's a bad thing, but, but maybe it is. You know, if you start doubting, maybe it's best to walk away. Maybe it's best to get away from that stuff. If you're not sure, then don't even worry about it. Get away from it. But Satan is, Satan is cunning. He's deceptive. He's, he, he has a certain type of evil, wicked wisdom to him, to his, to his means and ways. He's, you know. If, we'll, if whatever we do does not honor and glorify God, then don't do it. No, that's the bottom line. I mean, take, take hold of the truths in this passage. It's 2 John chapter 1. You probably think, aren't we in Daniel? Yes, we are. We're, we're getting there. But, but look at, the, if you will, look at, there, there they are, the four guys. I took that picture this afternoon. It's, uh, let's make sure you got it. I, I kept looking at that, that uh, chicken there. At, uh, looks really good, but uh, we'll go on. Second John 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves. Now, now this is the verse I want you to see. Where John says to the church... Just one little chapter, one little letter. But he says, look to yourselves that we together, you as he says to the church, but all of us together as believers, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, which means which we have worked for. Lose not those things which we have worked for, but that we receive a full reward. What are we looking at in the Christian life, the direction of our walk in Christ? What, What are we looking toward? Sometimes I think we are only looking to what's in front of us rather than what we have talked about time and time again and we're going to do it again in the book of Daniel which is the coming of the Lord. The coming of the end times. What's going to be happening in in our day and time. Because we can't see another hundred years or another two hundred years or three hundred years or a thousand years. No, we're right now 2,000 years after the promises that Christ said, I will come again. And when you examine the word from Genesis to Revelation, it all seems to fit within that 6,000 year period of, of time. And this world can't go on any, any much further with the wickedness that there is today. As in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. And what were the days of Noah like? Wicked. You see, sometimes we have to make a big deal over little things. You ever ever told somebody, hey, quit making such a big deal about a little thing. Well, in this case, we need to make a big deal about a little thing. Because in a Christian life, every little thing is important to God. Every little thing, every every, everything that we do is important to God. 
And I'll go as far as to say every breath that we take, every step that we make and take, everything that we do is important to God. Every one of them. That is certainly what Daniel did in requesting that he not defile himself with the king's delicacies. Why are you making such a big thing about a little thing? It's just a chicken. At least in that picture. It's just a, it's just a, a carafe of wine. Can't be that bad. But Daniel did not want to be polluted or stained with the things of the world, however delightful they may be to the flesh. It didn't matter to him that he was now being called Belteshazzar, because changing his name did not change his heart toward his God, the God of Israel and the God of Judah. Changing his name did not change his heart. He would hold fast to the life of purity before his God, and so must we. That is the exhortation I've been giving you from the first week. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to be a Daniel in this life. Dare to be a Daniel in this generation. And so his heart was set not to compromise. His heart was set not to compromise. His life was godly and would find favor with the superiors, which is a miracle. It's a miracle. Sometimes. Some people say, you know, I, I try to tell people about oh, Jesus at my workplace and everybody's after me and the bosses want to fire me and blah, 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 and this and that. Well, you know what? Check your heart. Check your heart. And then check the way you're talking. Check the way that you're presenting Christ. Don't look at everybody else. They're all sinners. But so are you. Check your heart. Daniel's request was courteous. It was respectful. And he would seek these things at whatever cost. And I can tell you this, Daniel was a man of prayer. We're going to find that out in this book. Daniel was a man of prayer. And he, and he went to the Lord before he even said a word doesn't have to be written. We know that. We'll see it later, but we know that of this man who would not compromise. He would not compromise because he had a tremendous relationship with his God. So that's why we see in verse 9, as we saw before, where, where am I going? I'm going to go all the way back here. Okay, let's get back where we were. There we go. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with, with the prince of the eunuchs. Now Daniel went before Ashpenaz, the chief of the eunuchs, who was responsible for the physical and mental development of the young Hebrew men to make his request, which naturally made him a bit nervous. That is Ashpenaz. Ashpenaz was a little bit nervous when this request came to him because he was responsible for these Hebrew young men. You see, if the king didn't like what he saw, it would cost Ashpenaz his life as well as anyone else working with him, as we'll read in just a moment. But because of Daniel's character, now again, we have to realize that this first chapter is, is, is laying a, a good groundwork for what we're going to see later on. But, but because of Daniel's character, God's servant received favor, love, and goodwill. Favor, love, and goodwill. 
Most importantly, the Lord would honor above all the stand that Daniel was making. God would honor above all the stand that Daniel was making. The Lord always honors those who honor Him. If you're taking notes, write that down. The Lord always honors those who honor Him. We'll get to a couple of verses of Scripture in just a moment. So let's go on with the story of Daniel here in verse 10. It says, And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king. So, Ashpenazah, you know, now that this relationship in essence has been established between Daniel and the prince of the eunuchs, very, very similar, of course, to uh, the, the relationship that uh, Joseph had with many people in Egypt, like uh, uh, Potiphar, you know, for, for a time, and then, of course, others. But, uh, you know, Joseph just found favor because God was with him. And we can say the same thing with Daniel. So the prince is speaking to him in a very, very personal way. He says, I fear my lord, the king, who has appointed your meat and your drink. In other words, I'm supposed to give you this stuff. I need to give you that chicken, you know. And Boone's Farm, or what is it? No, it's not Boone's Farm. Wine. The wine. I'm just trying to see how many of you are from the 70s. All right. So anyway... And, the, and so he has appointed your meat and drink. For why should you, why should he see your face, faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? He says, you know, if, if you don't take this, the king's going to notice your countenance. He's going to notice your weaknesses. And it's, he's not going to come after you. He's going to come after me. Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. And then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had said over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, prove thy servants. In other words, test us. Test your servants. I beseech thee ten days. Now, Daniel is speaking as if this is something that he got from the Lord. I mean, he's not just kind of making this up. Uh, hey, why don't, we, why don't we try this? You know, this is not Daniel. He says to this Melzar, he says, listen. Prove us ten days. Did you see the do you see the underlying relationship between Daniel and his God? This is the spirit of God working in Daniel. This is this is not just thinking things up. We're pretty good at that. Uh, why don't we try this? No, test us ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Now, don't worry about pulse. It's not a new energy drink. All it is, it really, it, it's a word. I'll, well, I'll talk about it in a minute. I'll give them back. I've got to let you read the rest of it. And then let our countenances be looked upon before thee. In other words, in ten days, check us out. And the countenance of the children that eat the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servants. Deal with us. In other words, check us out in comparison to those who eat the meat. And who drink the wine. Check us out. So he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. You know what this tells us? God's in control. Those guys who are under Nebuchadnezzar, anybody else, they would say, you know what, you're crazy. I'm not going to put myself on the line for you. So you do what we tell you to do or we'll cut your head off. But they had found favor. Why? Because God was in all of this. And they consented in this matter and proved them ten days. So, Daniel proposed this ten-day dietary test 
and received a favorable response, not so much just because he had established a good relationship with the officials, but more importantly, because it was the Lord God who moved the overseer's heart, which is, as I said, another indication of God's sovereignty. God is in control here. I'd like for you to consider something. Psalm 106 verse 46 says, He made them also to be pitied, which means objects of compassion. And this is a general statement of, of the children of Israel. It's more specific in, in, first, in, in Psalm 106, but, but for our purposes. He made them also to be pitied, or objects of compassion, of all those that carried them captives. So this, this is really some sense of, of uh, fulfillment of this particular psalm is that uh, they were uh, objects of compassion and, uh, in, in many cases. And, and so that's what it was. That's what was happening. So what Daniel had proposed was this vegetarian diet. Now, I'm not going to go into whether it was vegan or not, okay? I'm not, I'm not into that kind of stuff. I like meat, okay? So, but, but, but Daniel had proposed a vegetarian diet, not strictly vegetables, of course, but it included fruits, it inclu- included grains, herbs, and plants from anything that was sown. The, the Hebrew term is tzedoim in Hebrew, from the word to sow. So anything that's grown, he said, feed us that. All together, that's pulse. Okay, that's King James. Uh, old English word for, for just what that means. In effect, he had made a reasonable request. He made a reasonable request. He could have chosen. Listen, Daniel could have chosen to go on a hunger strike. But that would have raised the ire of the Babylonians who didn't like protests against their policies. That's why I said, off with the head. He asked for a 10-day test to see if after those 10 days of eating vegetables and grain, their appearance would be better than those who ate the best food and drank the best wine. Now Daniel wasn't testing. Let's, let's think about this. Daniel was not testing or tempting God in this situation. He simply wanted to honor his God and obey his command not to eat the meat offered to idols and to trust God's promises. He wanted to trust God's promises. Now listen carefully. Exodus 23 verse 25. It says, And you shall serve the Lord your God, and He shall bless thy bread and thy water. He shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. If, if ever you just have to sit there and eat grains or bread and water, you don't think God's going to bless that? Maybe the, the best blessing comes from, from us saying, Thank you, Lord, for this bread and water, rather than going, Man, just bread and water? Remember the attitude of the heart. Remember the attitude of the heart. So let's consider the success of the test. Let's go back to uh, Daniel. Verse 15, And at the end of the ten days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh. No, they weren't sneaking in some wings on the side. All right? They weren't doing that. The end of ten days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. You see, God blessed the pulse and the water. And in ten days, Daniel and his friends were in better shape. 
The Lord gave the young men better, fatter, healthier appearances by both natural and supernatural means. The result of the test encouraged their supervisor to continue feeding them a diet of things grown in the ground. But remember this. God blessed these young men because they followed God's will. God blessed these young men because they followed God's will, not because they ate vegetables instead of meat. I'm not going into a a dissertation now on on only eating pulse. We'll make it better. Should have a vegetarian diet. Not going to do that. I like KFC too much. But as stated before, the Lord will always honor those who honor Him. The Lord will always honor those who honor Him. Think of the first part of Second Chronicles 16, verse 9. Why do I keep going? Where did that come from? Oh, I didn't read that verse. Okay, this, thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. Well, I told you that that's what they did. Okay, let's look at Second Chronicles 16, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect or loyal toward him. God honors those who honor Him. God honors those who honor Him. Never forget that. Now, even if it had been a small act of self-discipline, let's say, even if it had been a small act of self-discipline, loyalty to principle set these servants of the Lord in the line of God's approval and God's blessings. Righteous, Godly actions always attest faith. Let me say that again. Righteous, godly actions always attest faith. And Christ-like character is always strengthened to face more difficult and challenging situations in the future. This wasn't going to be the greatest challenge of of Daniel. We know that, don't we? And of the young Hebrew men, because in just a couple of chapters, those young Hebrew men are going to have to face a fire. And later on, Daniel himself is going to have to face a den of lions. So, the testing of our faith produces patience and character things that we every day need to maintain and hold on to while we wait for the coming of Jesus Christ the Lord's hand was certainly at work throughout this situation but I want you to consider something consider again the heart and the character of these young men because in Psalm 25 verses 12 through 14 it says what man is he that feareth the Lord him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose his soul shall dwell at ease and his seed shall inherit the earth the secret now here's the thing this is what I was aiming at the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and he will show them his covenant the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him what we are realizing here that Daniel and these young men do not fear Nebuchadnezzar they do not fear his cohorts or his servants they fear the living God 
They fear Him. They respect Him. They trust Him. They reverence Him. They worship Him. They pray to Him. They speak to Him. They receive wisdom from Him. I mean, this, this is really the, the, the depth of the fear of God, of what the fear of the Lord truly is. The book of Proverbs and the book of Psalms both teach us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and instruction. If we really want to understand what God wants for our lives, we need to fear Him and reverence Him, which means we need to bow down to God and trust Him in everything that He gives us in His Word. Whatever it may be. The flesh sometimes doesn't like it, but we don't live by flesh, we live by faith. Trusting the Lord to give us strength to overcome the flesh because we know that the Spirit is against the flesh and the flesh against the Spirit and they wrestle all the time. I mean, we've got WWE going on in our lives every day. But the secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. And, that, and I bring that up because of what's coming next. What would be the blessings given by the Lord to these young men? What would then be the blessings? Let's look at it. Daniel chapter 1 verse 17. As for these four children, it says, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. Not some learning, not, you know, just in certain things, but in all things. All knowledge, all skill, in all learning, all wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Stop there because this is what the rest of this book is going to be about. The dreams and the visions that God gives to Daniel that he receives from the Lord, that he will seal for a time, but will be open to us today because of the book of Revelation, as we just learned recently in, in, in studying the book of Revelation. Well, I say recently, we took us two years to do it, but when we finally got to the end, we realized the importance of the book of Daniel here. Daniel was shut up until the time in which we live now. Now it's being open. That's why we're studying now, because it's an open book, just like Revelation. But God did seal it for a time, but it's not sealed any longer. Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. That is critical to the rest of our study of the book of Daniel. Now, at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, that's three years now, three years go by, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them... And among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore uh, stood they before the king. So now they, they have a, a special time that they come before the king because they none of, none of the other students, none of the other people who went through all of this were like these four. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. All the people he paid. And those were paid positions. I bet you he sat back and wondered, man, I, I'm, I'm wasting a lot of money with those guys. These guys are the ones that have all the wisdom. And they're slaves. They're Israelites. Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. These young Hebrew men were blessed above and beyond all that they could ask or think. Have you ever felt that way? 
That God has blessed you above and beyond all that you could ever ask or think? It's an amazing experience to sit and to think how much God has blessed us above everything that we've ever even asked for. I I think the, the more we walk in our Christian life, the less we ask for because we have so much already. And the more we grow in the love of Christ, the more, the more we realize we don't have to ask. Yet we do. But we ask less and receive more. If we're walking with Him, if we're trusting Him. That doesn't mean we won't have those times of trial, those times of testing. It doesn't mean that we won't go through times when we wonder why things are a little bleaker than they were before. But then we, then we think, okay, what I remember is going to hold true. God said, I will be with you always, so He's never going to leave me. So even if I'm in a little darker place, He's there. His light's still there. His truth is still there. His wisdom is still there. So what do we have to fear? In addition to favor with their overseers, the Lord gave Daniel and his three friends the ability to master the subjects that they studied and wisdom in those matters. Nebuchadnezzar may have thought that he designed their curriculum, but in fact, I'm sure the Lord did. Daniel was also given that supernatural ability to understand those visions and dreams which I talked about, which which brings to mind the thought that God does not normally impart His secrets to careless men. God does not normally impart His secrets to careless men. But to those who are devoted to His interests. I I hope and pray that you understand how important it is. I I think I mentioned this last week, but uh, I'll try to remember the words, but we need to be as devoted to God as Daniel and those Hebrew young men were when we study the book of Daniel because we we cannot approach prophecy with a careless mind. We need to approach the prophetic word of God with a spiritual mindset. We have to have our hearts right before God. We need to be right before Him for God to give us that wisdom and for us to understand it as He wants us to understand it and then to be able to impart it as well. Because one of the reasons why we learn what we learn in in our Bible studies here is because we want to let others know about Jesus Christ. I love the words of Job in Job 28, 28. He said, And unto man he said, Behold the fear of the Lord... That is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. You see, we, we can't approach prophecy with a, with a careless mind. We can't approach it with a careless life. I have to say that the reason why so many people fail, or it seems, it seems that they fail uh, in receiving the blessings of God, is because they're not considering what they need to put away. And this is the reason why we compromise with the world. 
I've said it many times, but there's nothing that this world offers me that I, that I want. I thank God for what I have so that I can just continue to serve Him until He comes. But I don't want anything in this world. I know He gives me my daily bread. I know He provides for me what I need to make, you know, transportation issues easier. I'm thankful for the home that we have to rest, to appreciate and to grow as family. I am extremely blessed for my family here. You don't know how much I love you, this church. I may not always say it. I try to. You may always think that I'm only blasting you. I don't like that. I blast myself first. Always, before I come out here, I always blast myself first. Got to test it on someone. But it's necessary. I get the greatest joy in being able to teach you the Word of God. I don't know why God chose me. I don't. There's nothing in me good. Nothing. So you as my family, and all the rest that aren't here on Wednesday night, I love more than you will ever know. This world has nothing. I don't even know what the latest movies are today. I don't know. I try to know. I used to be a film buff. Really did. Try to be a good film buff. I've seen a lot of the classics. I know some of them, they didn't even talk. But after a while, those things aren't important. What burdens my heart today is Jesus is coming and we've got too many people looking at the world for things. John said, love not the world nor the things in the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. And that's, that's painful to hear. It's painful to hear. The fear of the Lord, that's wisdom. To depart from evil, that's understanding. If we're praying, God, give me wisdom and understanding, then fear the Lord and depart from evil. Isn't this what we're told in the Scripture all the time? Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Well, let's go on because we've got to finish. At the end of the the three-year curriculum... Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah received their final exam that, that included testing by the king himself. He gave the orals. They stood before the king of Babylon, at the time the most powerful man on the earth. You know, when I thought of this, it, it brought to mind a proverb that says in Proverbs 22, verse 
29, see us. See us thou, a man diligent in his business? Do you see a man that's diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean man. He will stand before kings when we're diligent in the business of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God will give us every opportunity to stand and make the stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. These four young men were there. They were the top of their class. They were now closer probably to the age of 20 by now. So, so how noteworthy is it then that they were given positions of significant government responsibility which their education had equipped and prepared them for at the age of 20? In these positions, they proved to be far superior to any other officials, including the Chaldeans that were serving Nebuchadnezzar, the magicians and the astrologers. And they did it ten times better. But the fact that Daniel received insight into the future for the Lord himself meant that he would have had better knowledge of the future than all of the Chaldean astrologers. And that will be validated, by the way, in chapter 2, 4, 5, and then 7 through 12. All the prophetic passages. So in these, or I should say in those chapters that I just mentioned, chapters 2, 4, 5, 7 through 12, in those chapters there will be no heathen or pagan divining or prognostication. Nothing heathen, nothing pagan. Just straightforward prophetic revelation given to Daniel by God himself. And Daniel could write this about himself without the risk of boasting since he gave the Lord all the credit and praise for the abilities given to him. Daniel never boasted. And Daniel would serve some 65 years in the courts of Babylon. And, and, and Medo-Persia until the day of Cyrus. And in all that time while ministering in the heart of an evil culture. Think about that. Daniel dared to be a Daniel for 65 years. And the fact is, no sin is spoken of in his life. And yet, when he does pray later on, when we see some of his prayers, he includes himself. We have sinned against you. He doesn't separate himself from his own people. Because Daniel was a sinner. He was human. He was a sinner, but he was a man who gave his heart to God. I want you to consider lastly, and we'll close with this. What it says in Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. It says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. I want you to consider that this was the life of Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. This was their life. They trusted the Lord. 
and the Lord was their hope. Their lives were like trees planted by the waters. Their roots were spread deep, thick, and long by the rivers of living water. They were always alive. They were always filled with the life that God had given them. And even when there were lean times, they never ceased from bearing fruit. Something that we need to learn from these four young men. Something that should encourage our hearts to do, which is to dare to be a Daniel. Because we live in dangerous, difficult, and perilous times. We live in the midst of a wicked and perverse world. And who has the light? In Philippians chapter 2, it tells us that we are to shine as lights. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city set upon a hill cannot be hidden. But let your light so shine before men that they might see the works of our Father and glorify Him the work that you do for the kingdom of God and of Christ. Dare to be a Daniel and dare to serve the Lord with no compromise, zero compromise to the world. Amen? Let's all stand. And let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word that challenges us to purpose in our hearts the stand that we need to take in a very wicked and compromising world. We thank you, Lord, for your presence, for your strength. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your love, your peace. Lord, we thank you for all that you have provided for us. We ask that you bless, Lord, your word in our hearts and in our minds, that it would never return to you void, but that it would accomplish its purpose in us as well as in those to whom we share, to those that we shine as lights. Help us, Lord, to keep our lights shining bright. The light of the glory of Jesus Christ, Lord, just set a fire in our hearts as we look to the day of Jesus Christ. As we look to that day when He comes to gather us unto Himself, 
so that where he is, there shall we also be. And we thank you, Lord, for the hope that lies within us, the faith that we have to stand upon you, and the love that you've given that we can share and show the world the love of Jesus on the cross. by pointing to an empty cross and an empty tomb. We bless you, we praise you, we thank you. Minister, Lord, continually in our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.